We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, 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 welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I am your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by two brilliant men, Matt and Jordan, fellas. It's good to be chatting with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Usually we record Thursdays. We are doing it a little early this week, so hopefully that doesn't uh, mess up your game at all. Matt, you've been on fire with your picks lately, so uh, tell us your secret. Um, Magic. Oh, uh, I don't know. I think my I answer can, is... I can um, replicate that. I think my 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 process for finding them is uh, look for the games where the line is get most likely to be way off. So anything that is going to be shown on ESPN, no, it's off my board. Um, and just kind of look for totals that seem weird because, yeah, they, they seem to undervalue the ability of small schools to score absurd amount of points. All right. That's interesting. I like that. I like it for a few reasons. Um, all of which have to do with me, of course, because I am uh, very self-centered. But I am going to talk about that with one of my locks later on, too. So we are already on the same page, and we just hit record. So that's a good thing. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm glad you didn't ask me for my secret formula, because uh, <laughs> if, you've been follow- no, if you've been following along, the answer is I flip a coin. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, you are, you are nine and nine. Yeah, so there you go. It's, it's terribly frustrating. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but, uh, just, uh, yeah, the, the secret is I'm going to start leaning on Matt for the in- insider information. That's right. He's just gonna, he's going to just steal my pick immediately after I put it in and be like, Oh Matt, I got that one first. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I, and I think that's a, a good strategy. Um, we've got a really fun show for you. We're going to talk a little bit about the Heisman. We are going to then spend some time uh, going into the Debbie and, you know, a, a nice 
transition from Heisman to Debbie is going straight into quarterback. So we're going to be talking about quarterbacks today, uh, how you should be evaluating quarterbacks that you see in college and, and what that could mean for the NFL. We'll talk a little bit about your standard one quarterback leagues, then get into super flex and, and two quarterback leagues. Although I think now more people do super flex than two quarterback, but we can uh, we can discuss those details later. Then we will, of course, do our lock review as well as a little bit of a recap of last week's big games. And then we will get into this upcoming slate. We've got some some really, really good ones. But before we do any of that, we are going to start with our random question of the day. Gentlemen, are you ready? Absolutely. Sure. All right. Okay, so this is a two-parter. They, they're not necessarily related, but they both have to do with your, with your cellular telephone. Uh, what app do you use the most, Jordan, on your telephone? Unfortunately, Twitter. We're calling it a telephone. Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah good for Un- you, unfortunately is the key word in that answer. Um, it's a, it's a dark, <laughs> so, dark place, but, uh, yeah. So what do you use Twitter for primarily other than porn? No, <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's Google. Yeah, Chrome. yeah, exactly. Incognito mode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, for basically, um, I would say about 80 to 85% of my Twitter timeline is, um, football, or hockey related, I would say. Um, and then the rest is politics and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really useful for, um, finding out information quickly, um, with the assumption that probably about 50% of the time that information is wrong. And yeah, it's just kind of a hard thing to kick. Like I know, you know, a lot of people have their vices and certain things that they have a hard time quitting. And, Twitter is one of those things for me. Um, it's just kind of got a hold of me. So that's that's definitely mine for sure. Yeah, well, t- Twitter is good for like a kickoff spot for like what you're saying. Like you can get see a headline and be like, oh, I need to research this further, especially when it comes to like fantasy football or, or college football or injury related news, stuff like that. Uh, definitely good uh, resource for that. Uh, one of my very, very good friends works down at Twitter in Boulder. Um, shout out to you, Steve. Uh, he's an Arkansas fan, so he hasn't followed college football for a while because he's so depressed. Um, Matt, how about you? What do you what do you use? What app do you use the most on your phone? It's probably also Twitter, but to be different than Jordan, I'll say it's probably Stitcher, um, my podcast app, because I'm constantly listening to something. Okay, yeah, um, it's pretty generic, but I mean, I, I basically have a podcast on all day. I'm not a huge. I I listen to me a decent amount of music, but it's if I'm going to sit there like during the day when I need something to pass the day by, I go to a podcast that gives me 30 minutes to an hour of content. What what is your favorite podcast? What's my favorite podcast? Is Currently, I mean the right Rotoviz College Football Podcast, duh. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, the one that uh, the two that I listen to the most are uh, Bucknuts Morning Five, which should surprise no one. And uh, I really like the Cover 3 podcast. I think they do a nice job covering things. Um, okay, cool. Any non-sports podcasts? I mean, Bill Simmons, but that's still sports. Uh, yeah. Cool. No, that's, that, <laughs> and that's totally totally legit. Uh, you two, uh, those are the two that I use the most, uh, Twitter and uh, my podcast, my podcasting app. I also use Instagram a lot, uh, mainly because it's a little bit less in my face than, than Twitter. Uh, and, and there's that of course. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the, the second question that I have for you is what is your favorite emoji? Matt, let's start with you. Oh, 
Jeez, I don't. Like, what's your go-to emoji when you're um, talking to someone? You don't do it. Well, that's, no. That's okay, legit so answer too. Here's the the one that I, I probably have used the most. There's a penguin and there's a turtle. That's it. <laughs> and I send those both to my wife when I'm bored. I like it, <laughs> Jordan. What about you? I don't really. I don't use them in like text conversations, but typically when I see again coming back to Twitter, as all things do, whenever I see something like you know, suspicious or kind of crazy. I like the the little circle guy with his finger on his chin, like his hand on his chin. Uh, or, yes. you know, yeah, like the thinking hmm. emoji. Or the, yes, or the uh, the uh, bug, bugged out eyes, um, you know, like, I, I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but the, just the no, two I eyes. I know exactly the one. Yep, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, my go-to is I use the thumbs up all the time because it's typing okay just takes too long. So thumbs up is the way Not I go. The uh, and then the uh, the winky face. Hmm, yeah, yeah, I could drop the O, but winky face and uh, and thumbs up are, are my two. All right, enough enough shenanigans. Let's let's get into it. Uh, we talk so much Ohio State football on this podcast. We're gonna veer just a tiny bit away from that. We're gonna stay within the Big Ten, but Penn State is ranked. 10th in the country. They're 5-0. and They've given up only 37 points this entire year. And Jordan, you're not talking about them. And in fact, I don't hear very many people talking about Penn State. This could be because I live in Pac-12 country. Um, I don't know. But they've got number 17, Iowa this week, then number 16, Michigan, followed by Michigan State. And then, I mean, Michigan State might be more, <laughs> more in the same category as the next two, Minnesota and Indiana. Um, but Two big games coming up, then a couple of, uh, you know, medium-sized games before Ohio State. So my question for you, Jordan, is why aren't you talking about them? How excited are you? And finally, on November 23rd, my wife's birthday, will Penn State and Ohio State be facing off both as undefeated teams? Oof. <laughs> um, this is hurting, Jordan. <laughs> well, a lot of... Yeah. Um, throwing a lot at you. No, that's all right. I... Tell you that you, I mean you got you're right. I haven't really talked much about them, and to be honest, I think I just tend to have sort of a um, a conservative take on them, and I try to stay as level headed and pragmatic as possible Same. because if you don't, it's it's really easy to just fall you know head over heels for in my in in my case the the school that I where I went to school. I I think that there still are questions with the team. I think Sean Clifford, although he's looked really good in spots, I still have a little bit of worry about him as far as accuracy is concerned. He's a terrific athlete and he runs. He's really perfect for the system, similar to the way that Trace McSorley ran the system. He's a similar athlete, um, but I think he has some cons- – I have some concerns about his accuracy. The defense has been really good. Uh, the pass rush has been absolutely phenomenal, which is probably what I'm most – yeah. yeah, that's probably the part of the team that I'm most confident in. And I'm a little, still a little bit concerned about the lack of playmakers on the outside. Justin Shorter hasn't really been what we thought he could be. Uh, KJ Hamler is really good. Pat Fryermuth is a really good tight end. But it's still a little bit lacking in my opinion. And I think that like, if you were to ask me, like, sort of circling back to the, the November 23rd uh, question, I'm really hesitant to say that Penn State's going to be undefeated at that point. If they are, and Ohio State is undefeated as well, I will almost certainly be on the Ohio State side. Um, jerk. 
because I, I just don't think that I just don't think that they match up well. I, I think that Ohio State's defensive line will cause problems for their offensive line and could put Clifford in really difficult situations where he's not comfortable. And I just think that that's the part of the offense, another part of the offense that I'm a little bit concerned about when they go up against high-level uh, defensive line and just pressure, dealing with pressure is something I think that they still have a ways to go. So, I mean, I you're right. We haven't really talked about them, and I haven't personally. Uh, they've kind of just been cruising along, and I know that we're going to talk about their game uh, at Iowa this Saturday on this on this show, and I'm really excited about it. It's a 7.30 game, uh, really difficult place to play historically, and I think that we'll get to see. I think it's a measuring sick type of game. If, if, they can, if they can go in there and dominate, not have a close call like it seems like every single year they have, then maybe, we, then maybe they go into a different realm of discussion. So, I mean, I think that up to this point, we haven't really figured out too much, but we'll know more uh, come Saturday night. Cool. Yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts because I was just <laughs> I was uh, watching some college football live, which has become like my my Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon. Sometimes I watch it on replay. Uh, just if I want to get really, really mad, I just turn on that show and, and just listen to Joey Galloway. And it just makes my ears burn and my <laughs> eyes melt. Uh, but that's okay. It gets me fired up. Uh, but they were they were very briefly talking about Penn State, and I was like, man, they're ranked number ten, and no one really talks about them. Uh, and they rarely they barely talked about them. So anyway, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. But let's move let's move over to the Heisman conversation here a little bit. A uh, couple of, couple questions for for you. Let's start with you, Matt. Um, has your opinion changed much? Looking at the looking at the race as a whole, do you think um, that either of these running backs, Chuba or Taylor, have a shot, a legitimate shot at winning it, or do you still think it's whichever quarterback is, you know, uh, I won't say undefeated because that might not that may not be as important, but it might come down to that. So, so let me hear your thoughts on on how how the Heisman race is, uh, has changed in your mind. So, wait, what position do Chuba and uh, Jonathan a Taylor position play? It doesn't matter. Not quarterback. <laughs> They're not winning. Um, it doesn't matter. So, uh, uh, so basically, yeah, running backs don't matter. Um, I, I think my analysis preseason was basically Tua can't outdo what he did last year. Trevor Lawrence, I I did kind of I felt the same way. I felt like he kind of had to walk on water to eclipse at least perception of him, and that Jalen Hurts was kind of gonna sneak in there and be better than expectation. And I would say that right now he has gone well above expectation as a passer. And so I think that's probably why if you look at the Heisman conversation at this moment, Tua is not really the guy right now, even though maybe numerically he maybe should be. Um, It's, it's Jalen hurts. Who's taking the lead just because the expectation was a little bit lower. He didn't have to exceed last year. So now he is kind of pushed his way in there and said, not only do I have uh, the arm talent that you guys all underrated, I'm going to run the ball and I'm going to be a part of the most efficient offense you've ever seen. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. 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 No, that's the- <laughs> so in short, no, I'll, I'll just say real quick. I mean, per, um, right, right. I have the, uh, the FanDuel uh, sports book app pulled up and um, on their book, Tua is, by far the favorite to win the Heisman. Um, he, he's at plus 140. 
Jalen Hurts is plus 430. Joe Burrow plus 500. Justin Fields plus 850. Jonathan Taylor plus 950, et cetera. Um, for, for, for reference, Trevor Lawrence is plus 5,000. Uh, and Chuba Hubbard is plus 10,000. So a $100 bet would get you 10 Gs on that if, <laughs> if by some miracle – uh, Chuba could Ch- Chuba could get there. I think that the problem there is obviously the team that he plays for. Um, I think we we talked about earlier in the year when we were talking about the Heisman preseason. We laid out how it's almost it's almost imperative that the 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 person that wins the Heisman Trophy is on a team that has what would you guys say at at most two losses, right? I mean, you, you have to be a pretty elite team uh, to 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 have a real shot. So. Unfortunately, as dominant as he's been and just as consistent and just carrying that team basically by himself, uh, I think you could argue he is the quote-unquote MVP of in college football so far just because of how much he means to that team. But I I think it's Tua. Um, I, kind, I kind of agree with the the betting market right now, at least, at least this market that I'm looking at. But I hear you on Jalen Hurts and – if if you think he's the guy, then there's a little tiny bit of value um, if you're if you're interested in looking that way. Yeah, and I actually just half counter because I'm here. I have to rebuttal a little bit. Um, like Jalen Hurts is number one in total QBR, um, and at least in the most recent Heisman thing I could find on ESPN right now, they have him as the leader and of the 10 first place votes that they have on their staff, seven of them are on Hertz. So that's maybe where my uh, perception was coming from. So, yeah, I mean, if, and if, if you feel, if you feel strongly about that, um, I think now would be the time probably to, uh, to take, take the leap on that because I'm sure the markets this week. Yeah. I'm sure the markets vary and, and FanDuel obviously is not the consensus number, but just from the numbers I'm looking at, there's looks to be still a little bit of value on Hertz. Yeah. I, I will say if, if LSU ends up winning the sec Burrow taking that home, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't even know if it'll matter what the, I mean, his numbers look great too, but I don't know. I, I, we talked about him kind of jokingly a couple of weeks ago, uh, like I, I believe Matt was like, you need to go put your money on him. And then Jordan it was, was like, 18 to one. <laughs> it was 18 he's to really, one on him. I wish I would have done it. I wish I would have done it. Like he's, he is balling out. And if LSU can find, find, continue to find ways to win, to win games, uh, his, his resume, like you said, if he, it, I almost think with, with how voters, cause a lot of them are still old school guys. Like if, if a quarterback goes undefeated, it's going to be hard to, uh, it's going to be hard to to uh, supplant him. Uh, I just want to put this out there. Find ways to win. LSU, the highest scoring offense in the country. Jeez. Yeah, that's true. That's Joe uh, Burrow for you. Yeah, that's nuts. So crazy. Um, cool. Uh, let's move on. Let's, I mean, we're still going to talk about quarterbacks, but let's uh, transition from Heisman talk over to, to, to Debbie. Um, so firstly, just I'd love to hear from you guys. Just how do you go about evaluating quarterbacks. The quarterback position has changed so much in the NFL over the last few seasons. Uh, players who were not traditional quarterbacks have, have really been able to uh, not only make it in the NFL, but really thrive in the NFL. And it's kind of changed what people look for when um, evaluating quarterback talent. So, so what are some of the things that are most important to you, Jordan, when looking at, at quarterbacks in, in college and trying to, yeah, get a good feel for what they might be like in the NFL. 
Well, I'll admit quarterback is probably the toughest position, at least for me, to try and project into the NFL, um, largely because um, a lot of the metrics that we like to look at as far as efficiency, like adjusted yards per attempt, uh, touchdown percentage, completion percentage, et cetera, aren't necessarily the stickiest from college into the pros. Um, I, we, we rely on AYA a lot, um, which is probably part of the biggest reason why we were so high on Baker Mayfield coming out, Kyler Murray coming out, et cetera. Um, but for uh, completion percentage, for instance, that's kind of why I was low on Kyle Allen and Daniel Jones. And, you know, it's still yet to be seen exactly where their careers are going to go, each of them. And the same can be said for Baker and Kyler, who, you know, Baker is kind of on the on a, in a slump right now. Um, Kyler Murray is has struggled a little bit to start his career. So honestly, I think what I rely most upon is draft position. And obviously we don't know that ahead of time. Um, but trying to sort of like reverse engineer what 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 we think front offices value most, um, and quite often that's size. Um, the frame, which I think is a big reason why guys like Josh Allen and Daniel Jones went as early as they did. Um, but Kyler Murray is an example of sort of the flip side of that, where a team was willing to go with a smaller quarterback. But I think you kind of have to roll all those things together. But again, for me, it's it's probably the hardest position to evaluate just because there there really isn't any one single metric that really carries over strongly into the NFL. Um, I don't know if, you know, if you feel the same way, Matt, but you might be able to shed a little more light on it. Yeah. Um, but before you do real quick, you, you mentioned AYA and that's uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which is a formula that looks at uh, yards, touchdowns, minus interceptions. There's a formula that goes there uh, divided by attempts. And if you're curious in the NFL, which uh, quarterback and receiver tandem has the highest AYA, it would be, um, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. So I wrote an article on that a couple weeks ago, right before the season started. So uh, AYA is definitely really interesting uh, to look at. So just one I didn't know if it, it's not like a, a super common uh, term that that people use. So I just wanted to, or an acronym, not term. Uh, so I just wanted to, to throw that in there. But please, Matt, let's uh, let's hear your thoughts, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of in the same camp as Jordan. I think I maybe factor in um, pedigree a little bit higher. I tend to think that for as evolved as coaches seem to be getting it's still if you're getting a player that is has has had a productive career um sometimes they wait how good they've always been perceived so i do go back even as far as like high school and say like was this kid a five star was this kid a high four star stuff like that um where they getting recruited by big by big programs and for that it uh, i mean as much as i would love to say that i i like the um, Daniel Jones, the Josh Allen. I hated both of them. Um, I don't, when I see a kid goes to a small school, it does event, it, it weighs into things like that. So if they're not as highly sought after, it does knock them down a peg. And I say this as a guy who has been, uh, pimping out Dylan Gabriel for most of the season. So obviously it's not always the, um, deciding factor, but I, I put that in there and AYA um, is kind of a, a key number that I look at because it's less that I see a super high number as my 
what makes them the leader in the clubhouse for me, but it, it sometimes comes down to more if they don't hit certain thresholds. So if you don't have a season over 7.0, I basically knock you off my board altogether. If your final season isn't above 7.0, I'm basically knocking you off my board altogether. Just because I think that there are certain thresholds that we want to see what makes it when you get to the pro level, um, I don't want you to be having to substantially improve against better competition. So if you're not able to produce at a lower level, then it becomes concerning. And the same thing with completion percentage. And that was the big thing with Josh Allen and a little bit Daniel Jones as well, is they weren't hitting the the 60% number that looks good. So um, for both of them, you had real questions. Are they going to be accurate players moving forward? So for me, um, it's do you have a high completion percentage? Is your AYA hitting certain thresholds? And then certain things that become differentiators are do you have the spectacular season? So the the Russell Wilson year where he broke the initially broke the efficiency record, that was one that stood out. The reason why we love Baker Mayfield is because he did it back-to-back years. The reason why we love Kyler Murray is because then he went and supplanted all that. And the reason why we now love Tua is because we're seeing him go out and just smash the record. Um, or he was smashing it last year, and this year he's going to put up another solid year. So – it's it all sort of comes down to that. And then, like Jordan said, we can all be searching for the Dak Prescott, the Tom Brady. Um, I'm not even going to try and go deeper than that right now. My brain isn't working, but um, we can all be searching for that. But it does. It comes down a lot to draft position. And if they're not willing to draft him in the first round, you should knock him down a peg like um, Mason Rudolph. I thought looked like a good quarterback coming out of college. I actually really liked his numbers. But he went, what, third round? It, that has to play a role in this. Someone agrees with you. There's a dog park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that dog <laughs> dog really no. likes it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this, that's it, it all sort of plays into the same thing. It's like we can have all these numbers, but the biggest correlation for a lot of this is, are they a first-round pick? Did they land in a decent situation? Because I love Baker. I love Kyler. I question right now, are they going to get David Card and get just blown out of the water because their right. offensive line right. is and trash? That definitely should play into it as well, where they end up and what kind of system they end up in. And, and some quarterbacks are are good enough to overcome it. Um, I've yet to see, and, and Minshew may be, may be finally the guy who who is able to break the mold. I've never seen a quarterback uh, go to Jacksonville and become great, you know, and they've they certainly have. Mark Brunel. He, he was already so old. <laughs> um, but I love Mark Brunel. Um, but just an example of like some franchises don't just seem to know how to develop quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, I think th- this list of, of quarterbacks that we're looking at this upcoming, like that are currently in college right now, are super exciting. I mean, you got Tua, Herbert, Burrow, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, there's and, and and so many more too that that we could talk about guys like Jacob Eason, um, which you know jury's still out on him, but he should be on this list. But thing. he, um, but there's just so many exciting quarterbacks. So in a field that's pretty deep right now, do you guys find yourself in, in Debbie drafts um, waiting on quarterback, or are you? Is it a position that you want to go after fairly fairly early because you know a starting quarterback can be in the league for you know decades or decade and a half, you know? Well, what do you think, Jordan? Is it, is it something that you try to prioritize or are you happy to take, you know, uh, focus on the, the the receivers and running backs first? 
Well, I think it, it it depends on your starting roster requirements. If you're playing super flex or two quarterback, um, a guy like Tua or Trevor Lawrence, they're going to be taken absolutely in the first round of a startup, uh, potentially in the top half of a startup. Um, and I think, again, it's kind of just projecting where you think they'll eventually be drafted and sort of repeating what we sort of just talked about. But if you, if you envision a guy like Tua, who I believe will be a top three draft pick next year, um, that's someone that I'm trying to prioritize. It's obviously great that his numbers reflect that. And I think that by the metrics that we have career, career long wise, he is the best quarterback um, in, in college football. Um, but you know, it's sort of, sort of a similar idea. If you're playing in a one quarterback league, uh, like most standard, maybe not most anymore, but, um, leagues that have been in existence for a while, uh, that, that started just playing one quarterback, it would be the same. If you started up a new Debbie league with one quarterback starting requirements, you can wait a little while, but again, like you said, the, the, the really elite quarterbacks, um, the ones that we've seen over the last decade or so, the Rodgers, the Breeze, the Bradys, they play forever, assuming that they don't suffer any catastrophic injuries. Um, the truly elite ones hang around and they give you stability and a floor that you can count on. And again, it's kind of just projecting which one of these guys, if any, you can envision playing that sort of role because that's the kind of guy that's, that's worth taking a risk on. Um, we see guys flame out you know, for, for a bunch of reasons, whether it's situation, whether it's something that we didn't see ahead of time, but that's the risk. But I see guys like Tua and even still Trevor Lawrence, I think will still be drafted high, regardless of his struggles we've seen this year. Um, and some of the other guys have some flaws, but yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I did a good job answering the question, but no, no, I think I think that's really good. I think that's really good. Um, and it's definitely something that we could spend a lot more time on. But we're already, yeah. you know, almost halfway through the show here, and we're still in our uh, in our Debbie talk. So we're gonna we're gonna move forward here. Wait, wait, wait. I actually have a I have a half question I got to ask both of you because it's been waiting on my yeah, head yeah, uh, all week. Um, if you're a team that is not competitive right now and you have Lamar Jackson, would you trade him to another team for Justin Fields and say like a third round Debbie pick? Ooh. Justin Fields and a third round for Trevor for uh, for Lamar Jackson. Justin Fields and a third round Debbie pick, assuming that it's it's regular, it's a somewhat depleted group every year because you're not getting only players that are eligible. Uh, I think my the reason why I would, um, I sort of think they're similar type players, except Fields might be a slightly more um, developed passer. And so, yeah, I think you're if your team's already punting, you're already behind. Isn't Fields potentially a higher ceiling prospect than Lamar Jackson, even in but, like because no, by the no. end of this year, by the end of this season, if Justin Fields continues down this, I don't think you're getting that same price. But Lamar's doing it in the NFL already. So and he's he's only in his second year, right? Or yeah, in the, in yeah. the second year. Like so it's not like you're trading an, an old guy for like this young up and cut, like you're trading a known asset that is young. That's going to be a focal point of your team for a decade, possibly for but isn't a question Fields mark that same in a third round pick. But, isn't but, but that, he has, he's, 
but I don't know. You don't know where he's going to end up. You don't know if, what kind of draft pedigree he's going, going to have. You don't know uh, if he gets drafted by a team that that has a good quarterback and they want to you know bring him up slowly. It's just there's too many questions. I, I'd give me the the safe bet with Lamar, who is currently a top five quarterback in the league uh, and super young, and and you know there there is no ceiling for him right now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Jordan, would you? Am I crazy? No, you're not. I'm crazy. No, you're not. I agree. And my question for Matt is, would you be, would you feel like you're in the same conundrum if Justin Fields did not play for Ohio State? No, I'm actually, (laughs) I I say this, I would do the same thing for Trevor Lawrence. I would do the same thing or like, that's kind of where I see them is I think if I'm punting, um, if my team isn't successful right now and I'm I'm actually trying to get rid of Lamar Jackson right now for another potentially higher upside player. Cause I think I I genuinely believe fields and her and Lawrence were ranked as highly as they were pedigree wise for a reason. I think they were by basically every scout who saw them coming out of high school, they were said, these are the best two high school prospects I've seen. And Lawrence came out, proved it his freshman year in the national championship game and through all the last season. Fields is kind of doing it now um, the same way. And I think that, but that's I like, it's, it's the question of when you don't have an at or when you have an asset that potentially depreciates more compared to fields, which I think has the potential to appreciate to a point by the, by six months to where he's even more valuable. I would at least need a first round pick with it. A third wouldn't do it uh, for me. Uh, also, I would be curious, and we don't have time to get into all of this, but I'd be curious what the bust rate is at, at quarterback um, in the NFL because sure I high. know it's it's pretty high, you know. Uh, so I just would be I would be nervous. But I'm also I, I tend to play it pretty safe when it comes to trades. I don't like putting a whole lot out. Uh, I don't like risking a whole lot. Um, but man, we're we're covering a lot, and there's still so much to cover. And you guys like. As you both know, and as all of our listeners know, it is really difficult to keep up with everything. Like we were talking about Twitter earlier, just trying to keep up with everything that's going on. It can be super, super difficult um, trying to follow everything that happens in sports. It's, it's just almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every ep- website on a daily basis is impossible. So that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports. It is the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA to the NFL to cricket and even ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It is super simple to sign up, and as I've mentioned, it is free. So, not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. So sign up at sports.axios.com and you will not be disappointed. Gentlemen, let us quickly, quickly go through. Um, I want to spend not very much time looking in the past so that we can spend more time looking to the future because that's what we should do as a society. (laughs) We should forgive the past. Someone doesn't want to talk about UCF. (laughs) Someone doesn't want to talk about anything. Uh, The only one I got right was Cal Oregon, the under – this is I'm going to spend more time on Oregon and the under later. Um, so so I won't really talk much about that. Yeah, Cincinnati, man. What what a game for them. They really did great. Sorry, there's a lot of nonsense going on. My kids have just invaded the basement and are 
playing with my old GI Joes, which is fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, I didn't have a great week. I went one and two. Uh, Nebraska and UCF both both let me down. But Matt, you had a good good week. Uh, just run us through some of your some of your your wins this week. Uh, so my win was my uh, I, I went two and two this week. Uh, so an average week. Um, Michigan State uh, team total under fourteen and a half. I won't lie to you guys and tell you it wasn't a sweat when they got out to ten points uh, pretty early in the game. I was pretty uh, on the edge of my seat and was worried if I was going to have a losing week. Um, Arizona and Colorado over sixty two and a half was my other win. Uh, less worried throughout that game, even though it ended up being relatively close. Um, Colorado is just going to take teams into shootouts this season. And then uh, my two losses, Oklahoma minus 19 and a half in the first half against Kansas. That was stupid. I'm so mad at Oklahoma and we're perpetually in a fight now. And then <laughs> Nebraska's team total, total over uh, 28 and a half. I felt real dumb about that one really early in the game. Jordan, take us to yours. Sure. Um, I also went two and two, uh, which I am getting really good at doing. Memphis ULM, I had the under 64 way off on that one. They eclipsed 80 combined. Uh, I foolishly took Washington laying over two touchdowns. No, uh, no, it wasn't foolish of you. That was, that was just the dumbest game in the history of football. Uh, Washington. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, but, but losing by 10, it could still uh, be foolish at home. (laughs) That just on the wrong side. Um, Florida Auburn, I had the under 47 and a half. That one, that one luckily went pretty much the way I thought it was going to go. Bonick struggled, uh, lots of turnovers, lots of penalties, kept that under and, uh, UAB laying nine and a half against rice. That was another win. Um, so yeah, you know, count on me. I'm, I'm nothing if I'm not, uh, uh, dependable. That's right. That's right. No, that Washington Stanford game, I watched absolutely every snap of that game because I had. So on on Saturday, I went to the Great American Beer Fest in Denver, which was so awesome. Uh, I <laughs> I stumbled my way out of there. I was watching most of the games on my phone, uh, so I didn't really get a, a good like feel for everything that was going on. So when I got home, I wanted to actually like watch some football. So I watched Washington Stanford and it was just nonsense. Like Stanford could not be stopped running the football. Like Washington just didn't know what to do. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And every time you thought Washington was going to get back in the game and get in front, it would do something stupid. It was, it was, it was really brutal to watch. Um, anyway, um, let's talk about some of the other ones. <laughs> I did watch Michigan, Iowa before, um, before leaving and, Oh, I mentioned earlier that <laughs> I mentioned earlier that uh, college football live makes my eyes bleed. This game made me want to remove my eyes and put them in a blender. It was awful. My question for you guys, is this a case of good defense or bad offense? Matt, what do you think? Bad offense. Um, I was, it was, it was funny because both of these teams managed to move the ball down to the opposing side of the field and then be terrible. I, <laughs> yeah. There was one sequence in the second half, and mind you, I was rooting so hard for Iowa in this game. Um, Iowa got down, I think it was to the 20-yard line, back-to-back holding penalties, and then took a sack, and all of a sudden had third and goal from the 50. <laughs> so I'm sitting, or maybe not third and goal, third and like 30, and I'm just sitting there like, I'm so con- I'm I was so confused because I'm just used to 2019. It's the year where no one plays defense, everyone plays offense, and I'm watching this game that felt like it was straight out of 1984. I was I was done. I I, I got so angry at that game. I got really angry at Iowa. 
And yeah, I mean, it was, it was awful offense. Yeah. I was on, I was on Michigan. I'd picked them to, to cover. So I was, I was like, I can't believe 10 points was enough. This is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, a game I didn't get to watch, uh, that, you know, I, I've, I've been like since watched a bunch of the highlights and, and so, but, uh, Jordan, talk to me a little bit about that Florida Auburn game. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but I, I, going into it, I thought that, this would, was going to be a tough spot for Bo Nix. Um, he's still just so young. He's been so hyped so far. He's he's had some highlight moments, but we've also seen some low. And I think Florida's defense really kind of knocked him around, made him make some some poor decisions. Um, but I will say on the other side, Florida they had uh, Michael Pirine had an 88 yard touchdown run. I believe it was in the fourth quarter, kind of sealed the game. But if you take that one 88 yard run away. Um, I'm pretty sure that they averaged about one and a half yards per carry, uh, <laughs> against Auburn. And it's uh, going to be something I'm going to talk a little bit about, I think in the previews for their matchup, uh, with LSU, but there were a lot of turnovers. I think there were eight, seven or eight combined turnovers. Um, a lot of penalties, just kind of an ugly game, but I think Florida's defense really showed up in a way that I anticipated and that I hoped for when I was going with the under. Yeah, no, good, good stuff. Uh, let's, before we move on to previews, uh, we'll let you talk a little bit about the, the Buckeyes and the Spartans game, uh, Matt, and then we'll, and then we'll start, uh, we'll start looking ahead. So, uh, talk to us about this game. I mean, I think the game sort of was speak, uh, spoke for itself. There was, some issues with Ohio State's offense early. They came out, they looked like they hadn't seen this type of defense uh, to that point. And then their defense forced some turnovers against an admittedly pretty terrible offense. They got back-to-back fumbles um, and really good field position. Should have probably taken advantage with um, a touchdown in there, but whatever. They came out of two turnovers on the wrong side of the field with three points. Uh, managed to get through the first quarter, but then from at, from the first quarter on, it became really a one-sided game, and it it was a blowout. I mean, the score could have been higher. I think Ohio State probably should have scored another touchdown at some point during the game. So, I, I, I mean, I'm just happy. As a fan of the team, I'm just happy to see them go out and defeat a team that was meaningful and – kind of show that their offense is going to be able to score on anyone because Michigan state had this vaunted rush defense and they, I mean, they decimated them. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Uh, let's, let's look ahead to this upcoming week. Let's start with a little uh, old school rivalry game here. We've got USC at Notre Dame, Notre Dame favored by 11. Let's hear your thoughts on this one, Jordan. What do you think? How do you think this one shakes out? So I know I'm on the opposite side of you two guys here. Uh, I'm I'm leaning with Notre Dame laying the points here. And the main reason why is because I think Notre Dame's uh, defense is better than I thought it was coming into the season. I, I'm still kind of hanging on to their performance against Georgia where they where – they, I thought they really did a good job in a tough spot on the road um, against a really good offensive line and running game. And – USC, I read today they're getting – I think they're getting back Keaton Slovis, um, who, who's, who's yeah, cleared and ready back. to go, which which makes me a little bit nervous because I think he's kind of like an upside play at quarterback. But uh, USC is still really banged up, a long list of injuries, a lot in the secondary. I think Ian Book could potentially do some things in this game. Um, 
it's a lot of points and I don't really feel super great about it, but I just think that the injuries, uh, I don't really trust Clay Helton, especially on the road. Um, so I'm, I'm going to lean with Notre Dame here and lay the points and you guys can go ahead and tell me why I'm an idiot and I'm wrong. Uh, my, my quick statement would be, um, USC is to Notre Dame what Notre Dame is to Georgia. Okay. <laughs> like that's kind of how I, I think they'll play them close and it'll be a little bit, I, I, I think uh, USC's receivers will be able to get some work done. And uh, we know Slovis likes to go deep. When I heard Slovis was playing is when I decided, uh, yeah, I'll stick with USC, but Matt, uh, let's hear your, uh, I'm sure more, more informed and, and no. better take. <laughs> it's not that nuanced as, I mean, I think this, this is a game where I, I sort of just broke it down with, I think USC's, potentially still more talented. I know they're really poorly coached. I know they're not actually the most disciplined team, but I think in an, a game where, I mean, it is, it's a pers- it's still a rivalry game. These teams still sort of view each other as one of their big games on each other's schedule. Um, and in situations like that, I just want to go with um, teams that have a lot of talent. So for me, I'm just going to take, uh, take some points with the team I think might still have more talent. Yeah. Uh, Alabama at Texas A&M, 16 and a half points. That doesn't scare either of you guys. Uh, Matt, why don't you continue to, to, to talk here? Cause I like listening to your voice. Uh, wh- why are you on Alabama with uh-huh. this big, with this big spread? I don't think Texas A&M is good. Uh, <laughs> I've, 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 I've hit this point a few kinda, times. I this thought you kind of like Kellen Mond though. I think Kellen Mond is a decent quarterback. I don't think this team is good. Um, I think this is one of those teams that, um, has been given the benefit of the doubt in the way that the SEC is regularly given the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I just don't think they're very good. I think they fluked into a cover against Clemson. I think they probably should have lost by more to Auburn. They barely beat a bad Arkansas team and truthfully should have lost to Arkansas. Um, and I just think Alabama's offense is going to be able to name their number. While I do think that AM is going to probably score more points than you might normally think against this Alabama team because I think they're not very good, they don't have the running back to exploit Alabama's biggest weak- weakness on defense, which is their defensive line. So, yeah, just give me the much better team, and I think Alabama picks their number. Jordan, anything to add to that? No, I pretty much agree with Matt. The only thing that does give me pause is this this number did open at 17 and a half, so it's come down a point despite 77% of the bets on Alabama. So um, that's not enough. Yeah, that's not it's enough not to, to scare me away, but I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think that these two teams are this close. I, I really don't. I, so but the- I'm, I'm going to lay the points with Alabama. But don't you think some sharp um, came out there, laid some bet, and just said, "I'm betting on a home dog." Uh, right. Could be. I mean, I, I, I think that that's almost some some sharp is like, "This is my principal play. I go home dogs." Could could yeah. be. Could be. Yeah. I'm with you guys with Bam on this one. Uh, let's move into a, another one that we're we're sweeping here, and that's uh, Penn State at Iowa. Jordan, I'd love to hear uh, you're you're finally you're finally picking you're 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 picking your Nittany Lions here. Let's uh let's let's flush this one out a little bit. Yeah, so I think that the the biggest um, the biggest key area here for me is sort of what I alluded to before is Penn State's uh, front four, front seven, their ability to get pressure. I am still not a Nate Stanley believer. 
And I think if Penn State can do a good enough job up front, force him to throw the ball, I really don't like Iowa's chances to score many points here. Um, I, I think that we could see a sort of similar situation to what we saw last week against Michigan because I think Penn State's defense is better than Michigan's. And I think that's been pretty much laid out through the course of the season so far. Um, Kinnick Stadium at night gets a lot of hype, but Iowa is actually um, not that good against the spread. Uh, since 2010, they're 31, 33, and two against the spread at home. Um, I, you know, like I said, I still have some concerns about Penn State here, but again, this is a situation where I think that these two teams are further apart, and I trust Penn State's defense more than Iowa's, and I trust Penn State's offense more than Iowa's. So, um, you know, this is the typically a, a really tight game. Um, and the spread indicates that, but I will lay the points here, and I could see I could see Penn State winning by two touchdowns. To be totally honest, yeah, Matt, anything to add? I mean, I felt that way when Ohio State went to went into uh, Kinnick a few years ago. So sure, I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I think I'd be I'm I have some he- some pause if I'm Jordan, but at the same time, I, I've said it a couple of times. I think. Just talent's going to win out, and I think if Iowa falls behind, they're going to struggle to score. We saw it last week against a defense that has been flawed so far this year. They were unable to move the ball, and yeah, just if Penn State gets out to an early lead, this game's over. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about the Michigan-Iowa game last week was uh, the broadcast team was saying how Stanley hadn't thrown a pick in like 186 attempts or something crazy. And then he went out and threw four. Uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome. Pretty brutal. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I still don't think Iowa's good. Um, I don't even think it's not that they're, they're like very good. I don't think they're good. Um, I think they've gotten lucky this year and I think they're going to be exposed this week. I think journey Brown, my boy rushes uh, for two or three touchdowns uh, calling it right here. Uh, love that guy. Love that guy. Um, Florida at LSU. This is a fun one. This one is definitely uh, must-see TV. I think both these teams, at least in my estimation, are a lot better than I thought they were going to be going into the year. Florida, you know, with their they've got they've had some serious <laughs> injury problems. Uh, we all know Franks was out, and then last week Trask got hurt and he came back. And you know, it's it's just been one of those one of those Emory games. Jones. But um, but yeah, so Sorry. so so where are y'all out on this one, Matt? Let's hear from you. Uh, let's hear from you first. Why do you like it? I just switched this. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I so I I was on Florida. Um, I was on Florida. Um, initially because I just was like good team catching a lot of points. Yeah, thirteen. And then right? I went back I to this that. idea. It's I mean thirteen is is quite a bit. Yeah. But here's where I'm gonna come down to. Um, LSU at night is arguably the. I'm going to put them in the at a minimum the top three environments in all of college football. Um, the only place that I think honestly rivals it might be the Penn State whiteout game. Um, I thought for sure you so were going to Edson, but <laughs> never mind. No, no, not not a chance. It's uh, it's Penn State whiteout and LSU super drunk. So um, LSU at night is a really terrifying place. And what I'm what I've seen so far out of Florida is a team that plays very good defense and is still pretty inept on offense. They've they've gotten better, but they're still they're not on LSU's level this year and this feels like a game where LSU's going to get some points early. They're going to be able to slow down a relatively bad offense and 
it at a certain point LSU is going to find something and the floodgates are going to open. Yeah. So I am undecided on this one, and I know Jordan, you're on Florida, yeah, so I want to hear your arguments, and I w- and see who who sways me. If super drunk doesn't sway you, <laughs> I don't know what will. I I really I, I don't have a really great argument. This it's kind of funny because this game is probably the the game that I'm most looking forward to watching, and the one that I'm least enthused about betting, mm-hmm. um, because I. Part of me thinks that LSU's offense, their passing offense in particular, is just a freight train, kind of the same way that Alabama's passing offense right now is a freight train, and I don't want to step in front of it. But then the other part of me says it's 13 points um, in you know in a game that features one of the better defenses in the country in Florida. And LSU's defense has played – I think they've gotten better, but we've seen cracks, um, particularly against – a team like Texas. Now, Texas's offense is better. They have a, clearly a better quarterback than Florida, but they have been vulnerable at times. I don't think Florida is going to score a ton of points, um, but I'm just super interested to see this Florida defense against this LSU offense. Um, I wish I could tell you, you know, which side is going to win out because obviously I think that's going to be the key factor. Um, but save everything else. I'm just going to, I'm going to take the 13 um, with a good team, you know, a flawed but good team in Florida. Um, but again, I, I'm more excited to watch this game than I am to uh, put any money on it. Yeah. So the over-under is 55 in this game. Does that sound about right to you guys? I think LSU could score 55. Oh, come on. No, I'm kidding. I, I... Yeah, it seemed low. When, I mean, it, seemed, it, it did seem low, though. It seemed low to me. I mean, I know these guys have good defenses. I know Florida's defense is really good. LSU's defense is good. But LSU can score points, so sure. I, I'm curious if that 55 is is an, a betting opportunity as well. It's not. Um, I hadn't really, game. Yeah, I hadn't really considered it in my. It, it's not coming up in my locks. That is not a foreshadowing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with. I don't. I can't. I can't decide. I will remain. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, LSU wins by 13. <laughs> <laughs> you wimp. Um, for what it's worth, so, the uh, S and P Plus has this game at. Uh, 58.85 points so pretty slightly yeah, pretty over. slight over yeah. <laughs> not really yeah I, I love how um like i follow like the sp plus throughout the day and he does way better on like the the early day picks have a way higher hit rate than the, the games in the evening and i just find that super interesting uh so this one's going late so it's probably going to be like seven to three um, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to go Florida on this one. Uh, they, they, they did right by me uh, smashing Tennessee a couple weeks ago with one of my locks. I think that was the lock that got me rolling. So um, I'll, I'll lean with them. Uh, I saved uh, my, my favorite one, the one I'm looking forward to the most as a, a former, I, mean, I graduated high school in Texas. So, you know, I, I got some, got some love for, uh, for the, the red river showdown. What do y'all think? Fuck Texas, Oklahoma minus 11 at Texas, Matt, um, so let's hear it. Cause you are on, the, you were on the other side of, of this one than, than Jordan and I. So I'd like to hear you, you go first um, here. I don't have great logic. I'm my dad was an Oklahoma sooner grad. Uh, so he'd get mad at me if I took Texas, but, uh, pretty much my thought process on this is that this game will sort of be like LSU and Texas was both. These teams aren't going to be, uh, creating a lot of stops. I think is, is Ingram playing? Have has anyone seen if Ingram's going to be in this game? If he's not, 
Texas has no one. And even if he's banged up, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And Oklahoma is actually more likely to be gashed through um, by the run than they are by the pass. And if that's the case, I think there's a chance that Texas struggles a little bit early or potentially relies on Ellinger to do most of their running. And that's, I don't think a great recipe for success. So I, I just think Oklahoma struggled a little bit on offense last week. They're going up against a team that it's a rivalry game. You're hoping that it's a great game, but I think there's a chance that Oklahoma pours this one, pours it on in this one. And I know I'm going against Tom Herman as an underdog and that hurts. I was going to say, what about, what about our narrative? <laughs> what about Herman as an underdog? Small sample size. Do you want to just take it? Do you want to just take it from, from there, Jordan? I'm, that's your opening, open, opening argument right there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of like Texas for kind of the same reason that Matt opened up his handicap. And I think that this game has some silly over under 76, 75 points. And, and I do see it going that direction. And I think that I, it's it's hard to bet against Sam Ellinger in a game where I think it's going to be high scoring because he just seems to get it done. Um, Texas is banged up on defense. Uh, they're secondary. I'm not quite sure if they're getting anyone back this week, but they've they've just had a rash of injuries in the secondary, which is obviously horrible news when you're going up against Oklahoma. Um, but again, 11 points. It feels like too much. It feels like it could this could be a backdoor cover situation. Um, I just think there's going to be a lot of points scored. So I'm not really afraid to take Texas here getting 11. Yeah, I agree with part of what you said there, Jordan. I I do think that it will be close. I think think Oklahoma is going to come off to a a slower start than usual. This game is always crazy. There's always unexpected um, outcomes. Not always, obviously, but often. And it's just, I mean, this is such a great rivalry game that 11 points is just too much for me. So, so give me Texas. I actually, uh, just a little bit of a spoiler, uh, for, for what's ahead. I, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I mean, I think both teams will score plenty, but I don't see this thing getting, getting out of hand. I think Texas is going to try to slow the, the pace of play down a little bit so that they can, uh, you know, not get exposed with their uh, secondary being banged up. I think they're going to want to try to control the football a little bit. So I think this, uh, this will play into a, a closer game than what, uh, what the, the line shows. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I fall. Um, but yeah. And uh, before we jump into locks, I, I, I want to jump into a sponsor that I, I really like. And I know both of you guys are cavemen that uh, don't shave, but <laughs> humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And you know what the secret is to a great shave? And it hasn't changed much. You don't need flex balls or heated handles. That's why Harry doesn't overcharge you for gimmicky features for their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. And I love Harry's. I, I've gotten I've gotten a set of Harry's blades several times. And I just have to say, it is the closest shave I've gotten. Easy glide. And it comes in at a low price. So you should check it out at harrys.com backslash blue wire for your free trial today. And so why should you use Harry's? Well, Harry's is a return to the essential. It's quality, durable blades. Like I said, fair price, just $2 per blade. And it's super convenient. They'll send blade refills right to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. So there's no risk for you trying it out. So if you don't love your shave, they'll give you a free refund. So listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire. And you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, 
and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Once again, go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to start shaving better today. I might just do that. I have a trip coming up. Um, I have to speak in front of this, uh, this large group of people and I want to look good and I'm going to keep the beard, but the rest of the stuff, you know, gets a little scraggly and it's, you know, it's not necessary. So I am going to go to harrys.com slash blue wire as soon as we're done recording and uh, make sure I'm ready for that trip. That, that's good stuff. Um, Matt, you're on a roll here, buddy. Uh, I, I have, I have full confidence that you'll continue your winning ways. Uh, give me your, your favorite, most favorite lock of the week. So, so I just added one, um, and I'm going to go against my rule of teams that are on uh, TV. So we're going to start off with Wisconsin as a 10.5-point favorite versus Michigan State at home. Um, Wisconsin is 4-1 and one against the spread. Michigan State's only 2-4. and four. Like I said, Michigan State's rush defense kind of got exposed last week. They had been averaging, I believe it was like 50 yards allowed per game. Against Ohio State, they let up 323 yards. Brian Lewerke does not have any reliable wide receivers. He actually didn't play terribly last week. I thought a lot of his passes were kind of where they needed to be, and his receivers let him down. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor kind of finds a space, and I think Wisconsin's defense holds a relatively inept offense in place. And I used my favorite analysis on this game. F it. Uh, I'm taking a substantially better team. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a really good pick, actually. Yes, it doesn't fit the uh, the type of games you you were talking about earlier, but I think that I've worked well going against Michigan State so far. So yeah, you anti Michiganite, uh, Jordan. Let's hear one of yours. Sure. So I'll kick it off with the under fifty eight in Texas Tech and Baylor. Um, Tradition this game we think of as high scoring shootout type with little defense being played, but. Um, there's a little bit of a change this year. Both Texas Tech and Baylor rank inside the top 30 in ESPN's defensive efficiency metric. Both rank in the top 14 in sack rate. Um, and Baylor actually ranks last in the Big 12 in red zone scoring rate. Um, SP Plus makes this at a total of 54, so there's a little bit of value there. The one thing that I do worry about is Jet Duffy, quarterback for Texas Tech. He has the ability to create uh, legs, which adds a little bit of um, – a wide range of outcomes here, but if Baylor can he- keep him hemmed into the pocket, he could struggle throwing against what is a solid pass defense, despite him carving up Oklahoma State last uh, last week. So I like the under fifty eight in Texas Tech and Baylor. I I think that's good, and it's it kind of um, alludes back to what Matt was saying earlier about games that aren't on TV that people aren't watching. Uh, a lot of times, people who bet on games or, or maybe when they're setting the spreads, they they don't know that if you dig into it a little bit more, there's a lot more information to be found. Um, and, and so similarly to how, you know, Baylor is no longer the Baylor of our childhood. Um, well, yeah, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but uh, they're not the the high flying offense that we, we used to know and love. Uh, similarly, uh, my, my, my lock this week, uh, I'm going back to my, my ducks here. Uh, they're not the same Oregon team that we remember from a couple of years ago. This is not a team that, that plays in these 64 to 52 games. If you look at the, the, the season for the ducks, they have gone under in four of their five games. Um, and in each of these games, they were projected to score between 55, um, and 65 up until last week where the number was all the way down to 46 and a half against Cal. Uh, but even then they only scored 24. The The games have gone 48. And then they had a one huge game against um, 
Nevada, where the total was 83, and then 38, 27, and 24. So all of the, the games are, are fairly low scoring are fairly low, are fairly low scoring, excuse me. And so Colorado comes in to Oregon, a 21-point dog, and the over-under is set at 58. Um, the this Ducks team is a great defensive team. I think Colorado's really gonna struggle to score, but guess what? So is Oregon. <laughs> Neither of these teams is very efficient running the football, but both teams really like to run the football. They both run the ball more than they pass. Uh, they're both at like, you know, 48% pass rate, 49% pass rate. Um, and, and both teams are in this, I think they're ranked 70th and 77th, uh, respectively, um, running the football. Neither, neither team rushes the football for more than four yards a carry. So they're both going to run the ball a lot. They're both going to be bad at doing it. And this is going to lead to a low-scoring game. Oregon is going to win, but not cover. So my lock is Colorado plus 21 and the under 58. There you have it. Um, I can go on more if you'd like me to. The Ducks are only uh, one and two against the spread when favored by more than 20 points this season. I also think this could be a trap game with uh, the Huskies uh, looming uh, next week. So there you have it. I'm going Colorado plus 21 uh, and the under 58. So there's two of mine. So I will shut up and not talk for a while. I was allowed to talk for a long time because I had two locks wrapped up in one. But Matt, make me make me stop talking, please. Give me another one of yours. All right. Well, I will go with uh, Missouri and Ole Miss uh, under 56 and a half. I, now I feel dirty that I keep picking power five schools, but uh, Missouri's four and one on the unders this year. Ole Miss is three and three. Um, however, even though they're three and three, only two of their games have gone over 56 and a half. So I'm going to push them down a little bit. Uh, Missouri has the seventh best defensive S&P plus, which is best the best that Ole Miss has faced this season. Um, S&P Plus has this game at 48 and a half points. Uh, that's a big enough gap for me to just immediately jump on board. Uh, look look for this game to be low scoring. Uh, Missouri's going to try and control the game with their defense. I just think it's a good spot. Yeah, that's... that's also, I want to fight with... I wanted to fight with you on this, on your uh, underpick on Colorado and Oregon, because as it's been shown... Colorado drags team into shootouts. Yeah, uh, but I'm not going to. They've they've got so many injuries that I just don't know if they're going to be able to 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 score. And this Oregon defense is legit. It is it is a very good defense. I will say my one fear is this is a Friday night game and Pac-12 after dark on a Friday. Crazy shit happens. <laughs> so uh, if it was a normal. You know, the favorite's been just outright losing a lot on Friday nights, <laughs> yes, right? That's why I'm picking Colorado plus 21. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it that scares me a little bit. But uh, other than that, I feel I feel super. That, that will be my excuse when it doesn't pan out. Uh, Jordan, give us one of yours. Sure, I'm going with another under, and this is kind of a principal play. Uh, Memphis, Temple, under 50 and a half. Um, Temple's defense is really good. Memphis's defense is really good. Um, both teams rank in the top 25 in opposing pass yards per attempt. Um, they're really good against the pass. Both teams are allowing less than four yards per carry. Uh, Temple's red zone defense has been really good, allowing scores just 62% of the time. Um, SP Plus makes this a 44-point total, so there's even a little bit more value on this game. And both teams rank in the top 40 in sack rate. So I think that, again, Memphis, the Memphis we remember from last year, is not quite the same Memphis we have this year. And the temple that we've always known and loved is sort of the same temple that we had this year. Um, so, I mean, these are both kind of under teams for me. Uh, and so at 50 and a half, I'll, I'll go under there. 
Okay. I, I like that. I think that's a I mean, I wish I wish the number was a little bit higher, but like you said, uh S and P is making it forty four. So, you know, getting that six and a half points uh compared to what they think it's gonna be. I think that's a, a good pick. Uh Jordan, why don't you keep keep rolling here? I like that one. I wanna I wanna keep going with uh with your next one here. Sure. So I'm gonna lay three uh with Air Force at home against Fresno State. Um This is the tried and true altitude game for Fresno. Uh, The game will be played above 6,000 feet. Fresno resides around 300 feet above sea level. Uh, It's the first, I believe it's the first altitude game for Fresno State this year. And uh, kind of an interesting nugget that I saw online. um, I believe it was one of the local writers in Colorado dug this up. But um, Air Force, who lost to Navy last week, when Air Force loses to Navy, it's historically pointed to a strong performance for them in their next game. Um, over the last eight meetings, after beating Navy, Air Force is 0-4 in the next game. After losing to Navy, they're 3-1. and Obviously, small sample. Um, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird enough to be true. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those yeah. narrative things that is tough to quantify. Small sample, all those things that we hate. But this is one of those things that maybe we can't quite get our metrics might not just tell the entire story here. Um, and also Air Force um, runs the off, runs the option offense, excuse me. Um, so typically power runs are the focus of their, you know, it's based on the fullback. Fresno State's defensive line ranks 105th in power success rate, um, which I think sets up really nicely for Air Force's op- option offense and their offensive line that ranks fifth in power success rate. So I think that's an area where Air Force could consistently have um, success and is a fundamental part of their offense. And again, backing on S&P Plus uh, makes this number over a touchdown favorite for Air Force. So um, I'll lay the three here and yeah, bank on all those things. Yeah, I think Air Force should be required to be an air raid offense. I think that just makes sense. Um, (laughs) That's my analysis. (laughs) Um, I think, I think Matt, are you calling me a wimp on the show doc here, buddy? I was, <laughs> I called you a wimp only because you just dropped one of your picks off there. Yeah. Well, for two reasons. One, we, we are already way, way over the hour. We're at an hour 10. Uh, I was going to, I was going to recommend the Texas Oklahoma under 76 for some of the reasons I alluded to earlier. Um, but I'm not actually going to bet that one. So I, I don't know if it's fair to put it as a lock. I do still feel that way, but I'm not going to go into all of my reasoning. I will tell you, though, that I'm taking Virginia plus one at Miami. History be damned. I don't care that Virginia hasn't won a series there since 2011. They're due. The Cavaliers are five and one against the spread in their last six games against Miami. And Miami is just four and nine against the spread in its last 13 games. Uh, In addition, dating all the way back to 2003, uh, Miami is the worst in the ACC against the spread as home favorites as just 35, 52 and one. So. Give me Virginia plus one. They're the better team, in my opinion. They uh, should be favored. They are not. So um, I will go with Virginia. Uh, I know I am on the wrong side of S&P plus on this one, but I'm hoping this is one of the ones that that they're wrong on. So uh, Virginia plus one is my other lock. Matt, I know you've got a fun one for us. All right. And I'm... Well, I'm getting back to my roots. Uh, they were on a bye last week, so I couldn't pick them. But I'm going back to my team, Coastal Carolina. Uh, they play Georgia. Is I think I have state, but I actually think it's Georgia Southern. It doesn't um, matter. Coastal Carolina, it is. <laughs> it does. It's, it's Coastal state. Carolina, it's and they're uh, the over under on the game. 
You got it. It is Georgia State. Sorry, I get in my head about this. Georgia State, Coastal Carolina over 66 and a half. Georgia State has gone 4 and 0. I'm four at 64 and a half. So I'm going to give you 64 and a half. Deal. Um, they've gone 4 and 1 on overs this year with all five games being over 65, uh, 66 and a half points. Coastal Carolina is 3 and 2 on the overs. Coastal Carolina, even better in this spot, is averaging uh, 42 points per game in games against non Power 5 schools. Like I said, uh, go with games where the the line could just be wrong. They're not paying as much attention to Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, because the handle isn't as big. Go with the fun game. And and if you do want to watch it, it is on ESPN Plus. So you got to get the you know I think they do like that seven day free trial or just subscribe. I'll just watch or it. Or don't I don't care. Uh, or, or just find a stream on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always a nice little trick. Don't do that. Don't don't <laughs> don't advocate for that. <laughs> Allegedly, you could watch it. I'm just yeah. saying, if one had to watch this game, there are there are means to do it. ESPN. <laughs> um, no, that's good stuff, dude. This is a good show. I had a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Um, what are, What are your plans for Saturday, Jordan? How are you How are you going to be consuming all this content? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going to get to watch a lot of the games this weekend. Last weekend, uh, we were moving on Saturday. So my day was pretty much jammed up with carrying heavy things, picking them up and putting them down. Didn't get to watch a ton of football, but we're getting a little bit more settled in now. So I'll be able to I think I'll be able to catch a lot of it. And uh, the evening games especially are are looking really, really tasty. So uh, that's my plan. Yeah, Matt. I'm going to be going down to a wedding in the middle of nowhere, so I'm probably not going to get Why are you always going to weddings? Last year, every every week, Sorry. you were going to a wedding, and you're just right in back fairness, on it. You have- my friend was nice enough this time to not get married on an Ohio State game week. We're on by this week, so I don't have to miss anything critical for my love. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to uh, stream LSU in Florida on my drive home, so that'll be fun. There you go. There you go. That's good. Well, good stuff, guys. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, we'll be back with you all uh, next week. Uh, be looking for Matt and Jordan's uh, articles on Rotoviz. They will be coming out uh, in the next few days, uh, doing everything Debbie. So uh, be looking for those. They will not be in the show, uh, the the show doc or the show notes rather on the on the webpage just yet because they are not yet uh, on the website. But they'll be there soon. So be looking for those. Um, and yeah, we have. Yeah, a lot of great games look to look forward to. I'm excited. Uh, we'll be back with you next week to break it all down and, and look to the following week. We've got some tasty ones coming up. Oregon versus the Huskies. I'm already nervous because it's one of those games that we should win and we won't. But I don't have to worry about that for another week. So I'm not going to stress about it yet. All right. That's it for now. We'll talk to you all next week. Nobody builds 5G. Like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.